Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you, Lord, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Lord. And we lift you high in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I also want to say welcome to church. It's great to have you with us here this morning. If you want to pop the house lights up a bit, I'd love to see these beautiful people's faces. You guys can take your seats. I want to assure you that while you can have a technical difficulty with the news, I am not expecting any technical difficulties with John Wilson. So even if I end up shouting at you, you are going to get this message whether you like it or not. Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is John, together with my wife Hannah. As Angie said, we're location pastors here, and I just want to say it's such a privilege to have you here today. So whether you're here for the first time, maybe you're checking out what C3 is about, it is good to have you with us today. I want to start off by encouraging you before I start the message, that is that C3, we are an engaged church. We want to be engaged in every part of the service. So in the worship, we want to engage. In the preach, I want you to engage. I want you to be responsive. So if I say something today and you think that's biblical or that sounds like truth or that sounds like it's true of God and his nature, I want to say it's okay to respond. So I don't know what your go-to phrase is. Maybe you're a hallelujah, preach it brother sort of person or maybe you're just a, a calm amen Whatever it is, I want you to engage. It's going to help you as I speak. It's going to help me and future speakers. We want to be responsive and we want to engage as we go through the service. You know, at C3, as we go through the year, we preach in series. And you've come on a great week because we're kicking off a brand new message series. This message series is called Supernatural. Now, Supernatural is defined as being above or beyond what is natural, unexplainable by a natural law or phenomena. Now, you might have heard me say before that I love my sports. I'm big into my sports. One of my favorite sports would be football. Have we got any other football fans in the room? Come on, there's a few. This is where you can do the responding bit. Anyone think that anyone other than Liverpool is going to win the league? Yeah, come on, come on. Who do you think might win? Manchester City. This guy, you clearly believe in the supernatural because the reality is I think it's a done deal. I'm not sure even Liverpool can throw away that 16 points or whatever it is. But I like my football. And as a young boy, I remember I used to pray for my football teams. Maybe you've done that. Pray for your football teams. And I used to be like, God, please, by some miracle, would you allow my team to win a trophy? Now, here's some context for you guys. If you knew my football team, so my football teams, my national team is the Republic of Ireland. That's where I grew up. That is where I was born. And then my Premier League teams, Tottenham Hotspur, and then my dad's local team, which we still go and watch occasionally, Cambridge United. So if you know, yeah, we need help. If you know anything about football, you would know I would need some supernatural intervention 
if I'm going to see my team win a trophy. I'm not sure that I ever did. For our American friends amongst us, hey, let me say this. We love having you guys here. So if God's brought you to this area and this church for a short time or a long time, you're really welcome. But let me try and give you some context. That's a little bit like being a New York Jets fan and going into next year and you're believing that they're going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to take a bit of supernatural activity, I reckon. So what is this series about? Because you're all probably hoping that it's not about praying for unlikely outcomes for our sports teams. This series is all about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. And I honestly believe that this is a key series for us. If we get hold of some of the truth in this message series, it's not just going to change our lives, but it's also going to change the way that we live. Now, when I mentioned the message series, when you got that card, when you first came in, some of you were already beginning to get a bit worried. You're getting a bit nervous. You're like, supernatural, what is this all about? Am I sure I came to the right church this morning? And the fact is, I love that many of you are new to C3. You've come from diverse backgrounds, diverse settings, diverse church experiences. But you know, the danger is when it comes to the Holy Spirit, is that our viewpoint can be formed by past experiences rather than the Scripture. For some of you, your theology, your understanding of the Holy Spirit is based on someone you met who claimed to be full of it. The danger is they were full of something, but it might not have been the Holy Spirit. And that has affected your whole basis for understanding. Maybe your basis is a weird church experience you had. Maybe it's some strange stories you've heard about different churches. But you know what? The first thing I want to say about the Holy Spirit is in regard to his name. His name is the Holy Spirit. His name is not the weird spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. The primary work of the Holy Spirit in my life, in your life, is to make us holy. Romans 8 talks about us being conformed to the image of Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, theology that's based purely on our experiences is not reliable. I am still a relatively young man. As Angie mentioned, I've got a birthday coming up. I'm getting older. I actually tell my wife regularly that I feel like, I feel like a 40-year-old. I think, <laughs> I think it has something to do with having a two-year-old in the house at home. Is there any fellow parents who, who are feeling my pain? Come on. If you are in your 40s and you're parenting young children, all I can say is God bless you. Prayer team are available after the service for as long as you need. May you go away encouraged. What was I saying? Yeah, and so I'm still relatively young. I'm younger than some of you, older than others. But C3 is not my only church experience. I've been in different churches, different settings over the years, experienced different things. And there have been times when I've realized that my theology, my understanding, was based on just the experiences I had in the past rather than the word of God. And I've had to go back to the scriptures and say, actually, what is the truth here? And allow God to speak to me through his word. And that is what we're going to do in this series. We're going 
back to God's word and we're grounding our study of the Holy Spirit within the word of God. I hope that's okay, because that is where we're going to go. You can smile at me. It's lovely when I see people smile. Today I'm actually playing catch up. I'm going to cover two installments of this message series in one go. So over the next 90 minutes, I'm going to preach to you on the theology and the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, were, you, thought, you thought I was being serious, right? I've, I've got less than 30 now. You were looking at those fire exits and you're thinking, how hard would it be to vault over that little fence and make it out of here? Fear not, little flock, I'm going to finish in about 30 minutes. And if there was ever, ever a time I need the, the power of the Holy Spirit, it would be to share well on these two subjects in that time. So let's pray, and then we're going to open God's word together. God, I want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for your nature. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Lord, I pray as we spend some time as church family in your word right now, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that the things of you that you want to implant in our lives, Lord, I pray that they would stick. Anything that is from me that's not from you, I pray that would pass away quickly. And I pray that we would grow together in our understanding of who you are and your work of your Holy Spirit, both in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as I said, I want to start off by giving a framework for the theology of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk about four truths in relation to the Holy Spirit. Now, this won't be an exhaustive teaching. I'm sure you will still have questions after today's preach. But rather, what I'd like to do is give you a little bit of a framework that's going to be helpful as we go forward in this series. Good thing is that if you're going away and you continue to have questions over the next four or five weeks as we finish the series, we're going to delve into some of these areas in a bit more depth. But hopefully this is going to give us a good foundation. And I want to encourage you just to hang with me in this first part of the preach. I'll probably be a little bit more theological than I would normally. But if we can get this, it's going to really help us both in the remainder of my preach and in the future weeks. So first truth is this. The Holy Spirit is God. We believe in the Trinity, the triune nature of God. That is one God, three persons, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Not talking about three gods, that would not be a biblical theology. We're talking about one God, but three equal and distinct persons that are fully God. Now this goes right through the Bible. We could talk about it from any different angle. I think one of the clearest demonstrations of the Godhead in operation together, the three in one, is actually in a passage we refer to as the Great Commission. It says that in Matthew 28 verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now this is the baptismal formula, and it puts each person of the Godhead on an equal level role, and they play a role in salvation. 
We know from the Bible that salvation comes through God alone. So you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another good example in Scripture for us to look at of the Holy Spirit being God would be to read a story that maybe we don't read too often in church because it makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's the story of Peter and Ananias and Sapphira. Now that story is found in the book of Acts and it basically goes that Ananias and Sapphira go to Peter and the apostles and they say, oh, we've got a field we'd like to sell and we want to give the money to God for the work of his kingdom. So they go off, they sell the field, they bring some money to Peter and Peter says to, them, says to Ananias, is that all of the money? And Ananias says, yes. And this is Peter's response to him in Acts 5 verse 3. He says, then Peter said, Ananias... How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. So Peter's saying to Ananias, you lied to the Holy Spirit, and in doing so, you lied to God. The Holy Spirit is God, Trinity, three in one. Now, is your mind a little bit blown by the Trinity? Well, if it is, I want to say that's okay. We were never meant to understand the infinite nature of God in our finite minds. And I, for one, am really pleased that God is a bit bigger than what goes on in John's mind. God is bigger, but that's okay. The key thing for us to grasp is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God, the Trinity, three in one. Now, for many of you, you will have heard, you will be familiar with the Trinity. That's probably something that you accept. It's foundational to Christianity. But I think there's a danger for us, even in accepting that, that what we do is we, we think, Father, Son... And Holy Spirit, of course, they're all three part of the Godhead, but we treat the Holy Spirit off on the side like a little bit of a side order. So Father, Son, and yeah, and the Holy Spirit is tagging along as well. I don't believe that's a a good biblical understanding. And one of my hopes is as we go through this series is that we're going to get a full understanding of the nature of God, particularly in the relation to the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. Secondly... The Holy Spirit is eternal. Holy Spirit wasn't just something that God said, oh, I'm going to create something after Jesus leaves, drop him down to earth because they might get a bit lonely. That's not how the Holy Spirit is in nature. Before the beginning, the Holy Spirit was. This is what it says in Genesis 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So before creation, the Spirit of God was present. In creation, the Spirit of God is active, he's at work, and he's going on. So he has been, and he will be. This is what it says in John 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, the Son, and he will give you another advocate to help you and will be with you forever. So the Holy Spirit was, and the Holy Spirit will be. The Holy Spirit is eternal. How are we doing? 
You with me? Come on, that sounds the least convincing yes I've ever heard. I'm going to trust that you're going to get better at this yes business. Come on. So Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is eternal. And Holy Spirit is an advocate. I'm going to read this passage, John 16, verse 7, from the English Standard Version. I think it gets it so well. It says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, it's to your advantage that I go Because if I don't go away, the helper won't come. Now that word helper, sometimes we see in other translations the word advocate used. And that comes from the Greek, which means parakletos. Now don't ever worry about my pronunciation of Greek. I'm just going to go for it confidently. And if any of you know better, you can correct me afterwards. But para, that word in the Greek para means to be close beside. And kaleo, the other root word that that comes from, means to make a call. And so the picture that's being used here is the Holy Spirit as a a legal advocate almost. Someone who knows all of the circumstances, knows the right decision, and can help advise and point in the right direction. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you call yourself a Christ follower, if you've come to know Jesus as your Savior, Holy Spirit's living inside of us and he's an advocate. He's there to point us, to direct us. To, what it talks about is to grow into all truth in the end of this passage. And I really like the way that the ESV uses that word, it's to your advantage that I go. Because then you have the helper, the comforter, the advocate. And it almost seems weird that Jesus is saying to his disciples, it's better for you that I go because then the helper will come. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, you've had me as God the Son, God with you. We say that at Christmas, don't we? God with us. He said, when I go and the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to have God in you. That is amazing, isn't it? It's God in us, the Holy Spirit as our advocate, as our guide in life. Then fourthly, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now this is important because it addresses what can be an incorrect slide in our thinking. We can think of the Holy Spirit as as an impersonal force. We might think of the Holy Spirit as like the wind, for example. Now if the Holy Spirit is God, we know from God's word that God wants to have a relationship with us. So therefore the Holy Spirit can't just be an impersonal force. Because otherwise we're having a relationship with us with the wind. That's weird, right? It's like saying, ooh, it's breezy today. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. That is like a sort of new age theology. It's not biblical. The Holy Spirit is a person. That's how we can have a relationship with God in through that nature. And you know what? I think some of that confusion comes from the words that we see used for the Holy Spirit. Because in in the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word, ruach, And then in the New Testament, it's pneuma. And both of those words mean wind, breath, and spirit. But I think what's important for us to understand is that they are descriptions of his work rather than his nature. So the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost like a rushing wind. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit was 
a rushing wind. The Holy Spirit is a person. And one of the best illustrations of that is that passage we just read um, from John 16, where it says it's to your advantage. Jesus could never have said it would be to your advantage in terms of help and comfort if the Holy Spirit was just an impersonal force. So here, here's a few personal actions of the Holy Spirit we see in the Scriptures. Firstly this, the Holy Spirit's thoughtful. It says this in Romans 8, 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So in relation to prayer, this is talking about the Holy Spirit knows our hearts, he knows our weaknesses, and he intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is thoughtful. The Holy Spirit's emotional. This is what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 30. It says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. You know, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. It seems a bit odd to us almost that we can grieve God, but this is what it tells us. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. There can be such a disconnect between our actions, maybe sinful, wrongful actions, and the holiness of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is emotional. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit has a voice. We have a communicating God. He wants to speak to you. And God speaks through the person of the Holy Spirit. It says this in Acts 9, verse 29. The Spirit of God told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, if you know that story, you know that Philip obeys. He goes to the chariot, speaks to the guy on board. The guy gets to know Jesus, and he gets baptized all in one go. That's what happened as Philip was obedient to the voice of God. And you know, it's not weird that God wants to speak to you. It's normal to speak to people that you're in a relationship with. That might be some really helpful marriage advice for someone today. It's normal to speak to someone you're in a relationship with. Keep looking straight ahead. I know in my marriage, my marriage is at its strongest when I am communicating well with my wife. And then the same is true, my marriage is at its worst when I'm not communicating well. God wants you to communicate with him, and he wants to communicate with you. He loves to hear you talk to him. He loves to hear you pray. And at the same time, God also wants to speak to you. And he speaks through the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you've got questions around hearing the voice of God, that's a huge topic. We've actually got Paul Reed with us in a few weeks, and he's going to talk to us all about hearing the voice of God. That's going to be a great week. You do not want to miss that. You'll see it on your, your series card. So as I wrap this first bit up, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is our advocate, and the Holy Spirit is a person. Some four truths there that I hope just lay the foundation for us as we go forward. So having laid that foundation, what I want to do in the time that we have left together today is to explore the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to do that mainly centered around a verse in the book of Acts. So you can go to Acts chapter 1 
verse 8, if you've got your Bible, your smartphone on the screen behind me. Presuming the screens, yeah, look at that, screens all healed now. God's, God's at work, praise God. You know, as we're going there, the book of Acts really has the wrong title. Because if you read in your Bible, you'll sometimes see the full title being the Acts of the Apostles. But really, the book, book of Acts should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't come, as we read in Acts 1 and Acts 2, we're never going to see all of the acts that the apostles do in the remainder of the book. That would not have happened without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the context with this verse we're going to read is that Jesus is about to ascend. He is literally about to leave. He's, he's risen from the dead. He's spent a few times. He's appeared to some of his followers, the disciples. And now he's about to ascend to heaven. And these are his parting words. The last words we get from Jesus in the Bible. And he says this to them. Acts 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So his final statement is, and you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. So what is this power of the Holy Spirit? Well, the word we see used in the Greek to define power is the word dunamis. Now, dunamis is where we get our dynamite, um, Dynamic, they all come from that root word from the Greek. And so dunamis power is miraculous, enabling, supernatural, more than power. So you might be sat here today and you might be thinking, well, what do I need the power of the Holy Spirit for in my life? The answer is absolutely everything. If you are going to do anything that is godly, if you are going to live a life that is righteous... If you're going to be God's hands and feet, you need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. This is a response time. Anyone, this is not a trick question. Anyone want to guess what this is? Come on, yeah, you got it right. Don't doubt yourself. I'm not here to to do it wrong. Yeah, to the majority of you here today, this is a power drill, right? Except to me, and maybe a few others, this is a Milwaukee M18 fuel brushless impact driver. Now that is because my trade, my career before I came to work for C3 is as a carpenter. And so that is my background, and so that is what this means to me when I look at it. And I, about a year before I um, came to work for C3, I needed to invest, that's an important word, invest in a new drill driver set. The set I had had, I'd had since I'd been an apprentice, it was really falling apart, I was changing the brushes, doing all sorts of repairs on it. So I went to my wife and I said, Hannah, I'm going to invest in a new drill driver set. This might be a tip for some of you who are trying to swing something past a spouse. The word invest is a good one to slip in. So I was investing, and in truth it was an investment, it was going to help with work. And I was at that stage of life where I had some disposable income, we didn't have kids at that stage, our business was going well, and I just remember being on site with other guys that I worked with, and we'd always sort of chat about, oh, the most powerful kit, the most, you know, best tools out there. So I said, you know what, 
I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy the most powerful impact driver on the market. This has 226 newton meters of torque and just over 3,500 revs per minute. What's my point? Other than geeking out on tools, and some of you nearly falling asleep, what is my point? My point is that this impact driver, without the battery attached, is absolutely useless. If I take that battery off, and I try and use this, it's absolutely useless. You know what, this bit, it's not even useful as a hand screwdriver. It is useless. It might look nice, but it is powerless. And that is the way our life is without the work of the Holy Spirit. We can look right. We can go to church on a Sunday. We can say the right things. We can do the right things in other people's eyes. But unless that battery is connected, unless the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in our life, we will never do or be all that we're meant to be. You know, the Bible in Timothy talks about it like this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Guess what that word power is? Dunamis. Unless we have the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life, we will be ineffective. We will be useless. You know what? I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to make right choices. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to be a good parent. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life if I'm going to break through chains and addictions. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to think pure thoughts. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what? I can stand here, I can talk for 30 minutes, and you could either think, oh, that was a great message, or you could think, oh, that was boring. I've played on my phone for most of it. But the reality is, even if you thought it was great, or you thought it was boring, I cannot change your life. Only God can. So when I'm preparing my message, I'm not praying, God, will you give me the perfect set of words? I'm praying, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you come and would you work in people's lives? Because if the Holy Spirit comes, if his power turns up, then transformation is inevitable. Because when the Holy Spirit is at work, change happens. When the Holy Spirit is at work, that is when the truth of God's word gets implanted into our lives and starts to bear fruit. You know what, there's a really old message that I read from Charles Spurgeon when I was preparing. It was called The Power of the Holy Ghost. And he nails it in one with this quote. He starts like this. I say, that's a formal start, isn't it? I say, I say, there is nothing like the power of the Holy Spirit. Only let that come and indeed everything can be accomplished. Only let that come and everything can be accomplished. You know what? In this series, as much as I hope we grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. As, long, as much as I want us to grow in our knowledge, I want us to grow in so much more. I pray, my prayer for us here in Bury is that we go deeper with God, that we would seek the face of God and we would experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through our lives in a fresh way. Holy Spirit power is power with a purpose. I remember 
when I was young, we used to go shopping. I already told you I grew up in Ireland. It was quite rural. And so the nearest town where we had a big supermarket was, was about 40 minutes drive. So we'd go shopping. And the thing with this supermarket is it had a car park that wasn't really big enough. So we'd get close to the car park, and I remember how, whether it be mom or grandma, and we'd be praying for a parking space. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit, while God cares about every area of your life, the Holy Spirit power isn't there just so you can get a parking space here in Bury when the market's on on a Saturday morning. The Holy Spirit power is power with a purpose. It might be the power to see the person that just pulled out of that space come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But the Holy Spirit power is power with a purpose. And as I close, as I come to an end, I just want to talk about two ways that that's got power with a purpose. First to work in us and then to work through us. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit is power with a purpose to work in us. To use quite theological language, he is applying the the finished work of Christ in our lives. In other words, if we've come to know Jesus, if we're a Christ follower, we've been saved from sin and the judgment that accompanies it. But that is just the, the first step in what the Bible calls being a disciple, following God. And the work of the Holy Spirit then is he's what Romans says is he's conforming us to the image of Christ. He's making us more like Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit at work to change our lives. And as we do that, it happens, as that goes on, we're going to start to see some of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being this. It says Galatians 22, Galatians 5:22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'll tell you what, I never read that list and think I need less of them in my life. I need more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to work in me. And then, secondly, I need the Holy Spirit power that's power the purpose to work through me. And these two are completely linked because... The truth is, as the Holy Spirit changes my life to become more like Christ, I become an example anyway, and that becomes a demonstration to those around me. But we need the Holy Spirit power at work through us. There's a quote that no one's really quite sure where it started. Was it Voltaire? Was it Napoleon? Was it Churchill? Modern day times, we attribute it to Spider-Man. Uncle Ben says this, With great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And if we return to that passage here in the book of Acts, we see that it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, semicolon. It's not a finished sentence. And it says, then you will, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus gave his disciples a mission that was way beyond their ability. But he also said power's coming that is way beyond your ability. He said you've got some kingdom work to do. And if you're going to accomplish it, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. C3 Barry St. Evans. If you follow Christ, your mission is exactly the same 
as the mission he gave his disciples before his ascension. Go into all the world and make disciples. You know, I am believing to see this town transformed with the love of God. I'm expecting to see things change in this place. I want to see lives turned around. I want to see people who were tied up come to freedom, people who are sick healed. I want to see people find hope from knowing what it means to have a relationship with their Savior. But do you know what? I know that there's one thing for sure. That's not going to happen because of my ability and my strength. But I am encouraged because my Bible tells me that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in me. It's that dunamis power, that Holy Spirit power that was at work in resurrection lives in me. Oh, we need his power at work in us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to see miracles happen. We need the power of the Holy Spirit if we're going to see depression lifted, if we're going to see sickness healed, darkness and oppression broken. I need the power of the Holy Spirit if I'm going to be bold in my school, if I'm going to live well and be righteous in my workplace, if I'm going to stand up for my beliefs and my convictions, if I'm going to show my friends what it means to know God. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And literally as I come to a close and the guys can join me on stage, preparing this message has challenged me. Oh, God's been challenging me this week because I realize that I want to live a life that's less ordinary. I want to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in and through my life on another level. But God doesn't force himself on us. He gives us a choice. And God's looking for our yes. He wants to equip us to be a witness like never before. But sometimes we neither give the Holy Spirit the time to speak and prompt us. And when he does, we sometimes don't obey anyway. And this is really where as you're pastor I should share a story of where I said yes to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and I saw an amazing miracle happen actually I'm going to share you a story of where I didn't say yes at the end of last week I felt God prompt me that there was someone coming to see me this week at the beginning of the week God said to me I want you to pray for healing in their life they had this issue for a long, long time. And he said, I also want you to lay hands on them. And so they came, we chatted for a while. And I prayed for him. But I didn't lay hands on him. And he left, the moment had gone. I knew I'd missed it. I stood you know, in the loo. And God was saying, John, oh. I knew I'd missed it. God wasn't condemning me, but I knew I'd missed the prompting. And I repented. I said, God, I'm, I'm sorry. And God really spoke to me in that moment. He said, John, this question is all about you. I can heal that person through someone else who will be obedient. I can heal them through no human intervention at all. But the question is, John, if you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life on another level, I need your obedience. I need your yes. 
And we're going to stand, we're going to sing. But I want you to reflect. If you want to see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life on another level, if you want Him to be working in you and through you, does God have your yes? Let's sing together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you. Thank you.